Welcome to My on Mondays, an explorative approach to the possessive my through narratives, art, and sound. Each Monday brings a new creation and unique perspective. My on Mondays is brought to you by Ming Studios, a contemporary art space and international artist residency program dedicated to the exhibition, experience, and exploration of arts and culture. Along with exhibiting artists from around the world, Ming also serves the community by hosting innovative programs including performances, workshops, screenings, readings, artist talks, and other cultural activities. For more information or if you'd like to participate in My on Mondays, you can visit our website at mingstudios.org. Hello and welcome to another episode of My on Mondays. Today's featured piece is by Jodine Revere. Jodine is an Idaho actor and writer and regular contributor to Ming Studios programming. Her first reading at Ming in 2019 became the springboard for her one-woman show, The Persistent Guest. This darkly humorous story of her trifecta of cancer experiences, less-than-desirable relationships, and life philosophy premieres at Boise Contemporary Theater in January of 2022. In addition to her work on stage, in film and readings of her personal essays, she's been part of two migration theory site-specific productions, S5 and Small Matters. You can listen to her earlier contribution to My On Mondays in Episode 8, My Getaway. Her piece today is titled, My First Look Through a Pervy Lens. My First Glimpse Through a Pervy Lens Ironically, it was the summer of 69 when she had her first Playboy exposure. She was nine. It was at the house of a girl she went to Jefferson Elementary School with on the Boise bench above Ann Morrison Park. A quiet, wide street, no traffic, nice houses, an old money kind of neighborhood. There was a pack of six kids who played together, all roughly the same age. The girls went to public school. The boys went to Sacred Heart. They spent their time wilding around the wide, empty streets on bikes, with dogs in tow, playing hide-and-seek, games of war and capture, which involved locking the prisoners in outdoor dog kennels, with sojourns inside to watch the electric company and Zoom. Drinking Kool-Aid from psychedelically colored spun aluminum tumblers that made your teeth hurt, and consuming questionable processed food like snacks, cheese whiz, Ritz crackers. On this particular day, there were adults in the house as well, laughing too loudly in the chartreuse and gold velvet formal dining room, cloaked in a blue-green Benson and Hedges haze, sipping room temperature Ernest and Julio Gallo and enjoying the upscale adults-only classic French onion soup dip with Ruffles potato chips fare. The children had the run of the family room in the basement. Dark faux wood paneling, orange shag carpet, the requisite curved and padded red vinyl bar with two bar stools in attendance that seemed at the time so cosmopolitan. They'd been playing Chinese checkers and go fish when Kelly, the girl whose house it was, said with a commanding glint in her eye, hey, come over here and look at this. 
We all crowded around behind the curvature of the freestanding bar that was covered with bottles of booze, with silver engraved labels hanging around their necks like dog tags. Bourbon, scotch, vodka, gin. Alcohol was yucky and foreign, and no one had any interest in it at this juncture. On the bottom dusty shelf, tucked in the back, were a couple of Playboy magazines. By the look on Kelly's face, one could discern that she had stumbled upon this taboo contraband a while ago. She knew there was some weird power in this discovery, but it was nothing more than an abstract feeling, her being nine years old. She opened it to the centerfold, impossible not to do, as that is where the staples are, and they are placed there to help you waste no time by accidentally reading an interview or a short story the red herrings placed within its pages to legitimize its presence in a family home. No, no, I only get it for the articles. The boys cackled and hooted, twitching spastically, jumping up and down, knowing they had something forbidden and adult in their clutches. An image that opened the door on a heretofore untapped emotion. No one knew what it was, but it was undeniably powerful in its scope. Kelly rolled her eyes. It's my dad's. It's so gross. Her voice sounded strained, her smile too exaggerated and phony as if she might accidentally cry instead of laugh. She shrugged her shoulders after the big reveal. Hey, let's go do something else. After a couple of minutes of tittering, pun intended, the boys lost interest and spun off like a pack of hyperactive squirrels in their Garanimals Bobby Brady striped shirts and rasping wide whale tan corduroys to set up the Hot Wheels track and crash cars. The girl was alone downstairs behind the bar. She took another heart-pounding, surreptitious peek at the beautiful woman caged between the staples. Her freshly formed nine-year-old brain and body were confused, overwhelmed. This woman... Her name was Jenny. It said so in her profile. She loved her dog and pizza and the beach. Just like her, they were so much alike. But Jenny was old, 18, and beautiful like a princess. Long, honey-blonde hair. Wide, bambi-eyed, long-lashed gaze. Mouth full, lips slightly parted, perfect, luminous skin. And she was naked. Naked except for a sheer, untied peignoir blouse masquerading as clothing. She was standing in a doorway, sunlight streaming in behind her. The Vaseline lens making everything soft, fuzzy, celestial. She was not human. She was perfect. The girl wanted her. She wanted to be her and she wanted her? her first stirrings of liking women in a way that she had no understanding of. She had no idea what that pulse in her white cotton underwear was, the flutter of her heart, the quiver in her stomach. The next awareness she had was that whoever was looking at Jenny, that was her name, through the lens of the camera was dangerous. There was a sense that they wanted to hurt her, that they were spying on her that they wanted to trick or embarrass her like they were taking a picture of her going to the bathroom and she didn't know it. Yet. She was afraid for Jenny, and since she was a girl too, she was afraid for herself by proxy. 
When she left Kelly's house that day, she said goodbye to her parents, thanking them for having her over. Kelly's dad made her uncomfortable now. She knew something about him that he did not know that she knew, and this changed things. As the girl got older, she would come to remember this as her first inkling that men could not be trusted, that they hid things from the women in their lives, that they would rationalize that looking at these secret images was harmless because they had wives and daughters and they were good men. Instead of understanding that the way that they looked at this young woman, this girl of 18, mattered a million times more because they had wives and daughters. She would look all of her adult life for the evidence of this hypothesis, looking in drawers, behind books and bookcases, on the dusty bottom shelves of family room bars until she found the magazines. And they were always there. Always. She never stopped being concerned for Jenny's well-being, worrying that beady-eyed, mouth-breathing man-boys could surround her, cackling and hooting through Kool-Aid-stained lips, pawing her with their sweaty, grubby hands until they lost interest, tossing her aside in her vulnerable, naked beauty to crash cars and inflict damage elsewhere. The girl did not understand this at the time, could not understand that she now knew something indefinable that could never be unknown. Thanks for tuning in today. We look forward to bringing you more episodes of My On Mondays in the weeks to come. Stay tuned.